Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. Uh, before we get in the Word today, I want to let you know about a few things that are going on. Youth Night is this Wednesday at 7, yeah. grades 6 through 12. Um, if you're 30 years old, just don't come to that. Um, baptism Sunday is happening next week. So uh, I'll tell you this, if you've never, if you've made a decision to follow Christ, if he's changed your heart, the next step is believer's baptism, just identifying with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what the whole thing's about. It's not just a, a religious ritual that we do. It's literally, hey, this is whose side I'm on now. <laughs> I've been delivered from one kingdom to the next and, and, and to his kingdom, and that's what baptism is. It's not just a picture, it's a statement. And so if you've never done that, you can go to thedwellingchurch.org slash baptism, okay, baptism, and sign up, and somebody will reach out to you about uh, getting that done next week, uh, next Sunday. Also, during the service next week, uh, we will be um, praying over our graduates. So if you know your graduates that are, that are usually here, tell them we'll come up, we're going we're gonna to pull them up here and pray for them, and, so, um, and bless them. We're so proud of, of those that have made this huge step in their lives. All right, also, uh, in preparation for our summer series, this is gonna be like a questions series. Um, I, we're asking from some, for some uh, input from you guys, okay? So questions about the Bible, questions about faith, anything that you've just kind of wondered about, always wondered about, or got questions about, wanna dive deeper on, go to thedwellingchurch.org slash questions. Okay, questions. And fill out that form and just say, hey, what about Bigfoot? No, don't say that one. I'm not answering that. We'll do anything, but nothing, nothing's off limits except Bigfoot, okay? And then also, um, I, I want to just tell us something really special that we're going to be able to do in the next few weeks. Um, f- from the beginning of the dwelling, there's been a, a couple that have been so involved they from the very beginning from the very when the dream entered our hearts to to launch this church to plant the this church called the dwelling um adam and andrea hooper have been a part of this from the beginning and uh, adam serves as our worship creative pastor here and it's always been the dream in our hearts to offer a time of rest for pastoral staff here at the dwelling and so it's called a sabbatical. And it's just a time to get rested, to get refilled, to get refueled, and get some vision for the next season that's coming. And it's needed and it's necessary. And I think one of the reasons that we see a lot of stuff in the church just burning out and everything is because we're just not honoring rest. And so we're going to do that here, all right? And so I, we have the privilege to be able to do that for the Hoopers. Uh, and they're going to, Father's Day is going to be that last Sunday where they're serving. And then they're going to have a pretty long sabbatical. And so we'll talk about the, what, what that looks like and what our responsibilities are in that. Number one is don't call them on any questions, okay? But our, our, our number one responsibility, and this is why I'm going ahead and just telling you about this today, is I want you to be praying for them. I want you to devote some time to pray for Adam and Andrea and because I don't think this is just a rest. I think it's going to be a reset and God's going to move in their lives and just really just light a fire in them for um, years to come through encounters that they have with him and truth and just it's going to be life changing. I believe that. But pray for them. 
pray for them. And, uh, and bless them between now and Father's Day. Bless them. Pray for them when you see them. Uh, slip them some cash, you know, on Sunday. Um, let them travel a little bit or whatever. And, uh, but we're really excited about that. If you're excited, say whoop, whoop. All right. All right. So let's jump into Ephesians chapter 5 today. Um, verses 21 through 33 is where we're at. Now, you thought we weren't going to make it this far. I know. But we're in chapter 5 already. And actually, uh, I think Father's Day, no, the end of June is going to be, we're going to be through with Ephesians. Oh, I know you don't want that to happen. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. Verse 21 of chapter 5 through 33. I'm going to read the passage, and then we're going to backtrack, okay? Sound good? So it's going to be on the screen, or if you've got a phone, Ephesians 5, verse 21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and they care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Everybody say, Whew. Say, Pastor, I'm glad I'm not you today. I try to get, this is one of those messages, you try to get somebody else to preach it. Like a giving message and that, this one, okay? But, uh, but I want to I wanna tell you a story first before, before we jump in. And I'll try to avoid this so I won't have to preach it. And then we can all go eat lunch. No, I'm just kidding. I've lived here about going on six years, five years. And I've never been to the SCAD Museum of Art right down the street here until a few weeks ago. And me and Bethany went on a day off, or, and, and we, uh, we were just taking in the, the art and all that. I love art. I love anything creative. I, I love going to see what someone has constructed. And it, what it does for me is it's like, man, God, you created a person in your image that can make something beautiful. And it's just what you do, you know? And it's just, I see just the image of God in in art because it's a creation of those made in his image. And I just love it. I have an appreciation for it. Uh, I'm, I'm somewhat of a creative. I've not developed my skill in that, but I, I appreciate it, okay? And, um, and we went to the, the, the art museum and some of the pieces there, 
And if any, if you've seen any art galleries, anything, you could go into a place, and I love the immersive things too, you know, where you just go and you just experience it, you know? It's more than just looking at something, you're experiencing it. And some art pieces are meant to just be an experience. And there's no context, it's just like, hey, just experience this. And you draw your own conclusions from it, and you, have, you create your own context, and that's okay. But there are, there are some art pieces where you look at it, and you think, why she got a bird on her head? Like, what is that? What, is, what am I looking at, you know? And there's some things you're like, this has to mean something, okay? But it just looks weird without knowing the context. And so what's helpful to me is like some of the little placards. And it says, this is the context of what the artist was trying to say. And it helps me. And I'm like, oh, I see that. Ooh, ooh, that like, that hit different when I found out what the context was, you know? And so that's the same thing with Scripture and with applying Scripture, interpreting Scripture, looking into the Word of God. And so the starting place of all biblical learning, interpretation is context. Everybody say context. Context. So the first question you ask when you look into a piece of, of God's word is not, what does this mean to me? You ever been in a Bible study and someone says, what does this mean to y'all? <laughs> well, look at me. You can have 500 different meanings depending on who you, that's why we got 40,000 denominations because somebody, it meant something to somebody. Okay. <laughs> so the first question is, what did it mean to the people it was written to? Yeah, now it's written to us. But we got to look at the people that it was written to first. So in this context, it's the church of Ephesus in the first century. And it's a church filled with a variety of people. Jew, Jews that have come to Christ. Gentiles, pagan worship, worship idols that have come to Christ. And they've been thrown into a mixing pot of just craziness. And Paul is speaking into a specific context throughout the whole book of Ephesians but especially since we're getting into this whole home and family and real life stuff, we talked about identity, glory in the church, and now we're talking about glory in the home. Yeah. And it meant something to the original listeners. It can mean the same thing to us, but there's a context that Paul's talking, talking into, speaking into, especially in prescriptive passages like where Paul's saying, do this. You need to think, well, who's he talking to? Why did he say it like that? And it takes some study, okay? It takes some digging in. Well, people are a lot smarter than I am who know a lot more about history, know a lot more about the Bible, and can cross-reference things. And I just need that. Yeah. I need that. Study to show yourself approved, Paul told Timothy, right? Yeah. So there's a historical context. Paul is talking to two groups of people. There's Jews that have become believers, and then there's pagans who've become believers. And this is very, very important to consider when we look at Paul's letters because it's a very complicated environment. It's a messy environment. Matter of fact, Ephesus was probably a mess. We know Corinthians was a mess. The church in Corinth was a hot mess, and Paul was bringing correction to it. And, and there's just a context that he was speaking into in Ephesus too. First century Judaism, the cultural norm was, it was a patriarchal culture. And so um, men led everything. I mean, it was, it was it, it, I've heard scholars say that even at the time that when uh, there was a court and you couldn't, you couldn't call a witness that was a woman because nobody believed what she'd say. Wow. 
And that was just the, that was the cultural context, okay? Somebody said, thank God we've come a long way, okay? You know, I mean, there was a time not long ago women couldn't vote. It's crazy to even think about, isn't it? But, but the, over the period of time, things have changed so much, but we're looking at a context of the first century in a city that was a melting pot of cultures and religious viewpoints all thrown into this new fledgling body of Christ. Church, what is happening? Nobody's got anything figured out. And Paul is saying, let me tell you about glory. Let's start with your home. Let's start with this church uh, 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 family, but even more specifically what it looks like in the home. And so the overall context of the church in the Roman world at that time was a shocking variety Rich and poor, man, woman, slave, free, you know, high in society, low in society, all thrown into one family now. And that's a big deal. And you need to look at that. And so it's within that context that Paul gives this shocking countercultural statement in verse 21. And this is the verse that all of the rest of this chapter hinges on. He says this, submit to one another, out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another, some translations, in the fear of the Lord. In other words, who are we doing this for? It's out of reverence for Christ. It's out of reverence for Jesus. It's a fear of the Lord that we're doing this. And who's he talking to in verse 21? Everybody. Everybody say everybody. Okay. Everybody. Submit to everybody else, okay? He's saying, if you're in this church, if you're in the family of God, your responsibility is to walk in humility and submit yourselves to one another. Before I talk about wives, before I talk about husbands, before I talk about servants, before I talk about children, all of that stuff that he covers later, I want you to know this. God wants you to submit to each other. Now, can we apply that word for today? Yeah, that one applies, okay? That one applies to us for sure today. No one's more important than the other. We got different roles and functions in the body of Christ, but the moment I feel like my preference and my opinion is more valuable than yours, I've already walked out of love. I've already walked out. And so we've got to choose this, this way of seeing this as I'm submitting myself to my brothers and sisters. And likewise, just because there's a guy up here with this doesn't mean I'm better than anybody else in this room. You see what I'm saying? It, it kind of looks like it the way we've designed church these days. But that's not the case. We're on, a, we're on an equal playing field. Submit to each other, Paul says. The word in the Greek is hypotasso. You know, hypoglycemic means you've got low blood sugar, right? So hypotasso. So low rank. So what Paul's saying is, if you consider yourself to be this rank, where my army people at, okay? If you consider yourself to be this rank, and you consider someone else to be this rank, you choose a rank under them. Hypotasso. It's choosing a lower place. So Paul is telling powerful leaders in society, hey, when you gather... 
Don't act like you all big and bad. Submit yourselves to people who you feel like are lower than you. Philippians 2, have this mind in Christ Jesus. Although he was God, what did he do? He humbled himself as a servant. And then on the night he was betrayed, he's washing their feet. Guess whose feet he washed in that room? Judas. Submit yourselves to one another. He doesn't ask us anything he's not willing to do himself. He doesn't ask us to do anything he's not going to empower us to do, give us grace to do. Jesus told his disciples, he said, hey, if you, you enter somebody's house, they're having a banquet, don't stroll in there like you big and bad and you're number one and sit at the place of honor. He said, hey, you might get bumped out of that spot if somebody else shows up this more important than you are. But what does he say? He says, no, no, no. Go low. Don't take the best place. Take the lowest place. Because then what might happen is, oh, the, the, the important guest didn't show up. You got bumped to first class, bud. But you don't take the high, you don't take the high, the highest place. You don't take the place of honor. You don't demand that people give you that place. But you take a low, you 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 see the entire body of Christ, and you say, how can I serve? How can I serve this person? And then it matter when see when what what the gospel does, it erases your bank account, it erases your social status and all of this stuff, and it puts everybody in one family. And we're to see each other as how can I serve you? How can I live my life not where you, I'm expecting you to serve me, but how can I serve you? It's just a mindset. And there's a word for it. Humility. I'm going to say humility. humility. Humility was as despised in Paul's day as it is our day. It makes no sense. In a world that's fighting to get ahead and to, to be something, humility does not make a lick of sense. But nothing in the kingdom does, according to the world's standards. It's an upside-down kingdom. You go low to get high. Jesus said, if you, if you want to be something great, be a servant. Serve somebody. An admirer of uh, Leonard Bernstein, he was the uh, conductor of the New York Philharmonic. And um, I was watching something on YouTube this, this weekend about him. Look him up. He's just a fascinating guy. If you like music or not, he, Leonard Bernstein's just a fascinating guy. He was a composer. And he had just a way of thinking that was so different. And somebody asked him, uh, Mr. Bernstein, what is the hardest instrument to play in the orchestra? And without a, without a skip, he said, second fiddle. He said, it's really hard to find somebody who will sit second chair and play with the passion that a first chair will. And uh, I, thought that was, I thought that was good. So maybe humility can be defined as being comfortable in your own skin in the place God's called you to. Maybe it could be defined as being willing to take a lower seat for the good of the whole. Because Bernstein went on to say, without a second seat, you can't have harmony. It's not even an orchestra if everybody wants to play first. So, verse 
22. So have we gotten the context? All right, so now let's move on to the hard stuff, okay? In which it fits. Verse 22 and on fits in verse 21. Everybody submit to everybody in the body of Christ. Verse 22, Paul says, wives submit to your own husbands. Your own husband. Okay, not everybody. <laughs> For the husband's the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, which he's the Savior. As the church submits to Christ, so wives submit to their husbands and everything. That, that word, it's interesting, word study in that head. You know, we, we use the term head of household or whatever. Head of Christ, uh, head of church is Christ. Head of the, the, the wife is the husband. That word is also source. So it's not a hierarchy. It's a flow of creation. It's like man or woman came out of man. You remember? Yeah. Um, and so the church comes out of Christ. Through what Christ has done, the church is born. And so it's not a hierarchy. Let's list the order of importance or value. It's not that at all. It's just the order. It's just an order. And so he's speaking into both contexts. He's speaking to women of nobility and women of no reputation in the church. And there were both. There were slaves in the church. And we're talking about that in a few weeks. You talk about, talk about think this was hard. Adam's got that one. But it's great. It's going to be great. So it says, he says, submit to your husbands. Now, what he's doing is he's not advocating abuse. He's not advocating uh, for men to feel like they can boss their wives around. Or it's my way or the highway. That's not what Paul's doing. He's not giving men a license to, to, uh, to subjugate women. He's not telling women to just shut up and be treated like dirt. But he is saying this. Ladies, choose humility. In context of this whole submit yourselves to each other, he says, let it start in your home. If it's not real in the home, it's not going to be real anywhere. So he says, submit yourselves. Choose humility. And he's speaking to women. And he says, you know, it can be hard. It can be hard. But you're doing this out of reverence for Christ. So, I just want to take a pause for a moment. All right. I'm not going to dig into, like, all the passages and stuff this morning about women in the church and women in, the, in Scripture. But I will tell you this. Um, we honor and value and empower women in this house. And we always will. Because... Scripture honors, elevates, empowers women. Jesus empowered women. Paul empowered women. And so we're not going to fall into the religious trap of putting up walls and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm not going to discuss all that this morning, but I am doing a series in October that I'm already studying for. I'm excited about it. Can I go ahead and tell you, is, is it okay if I tell you the name of the series? You Go Girl. I'm excited about it. All right. So, can we agree that submission's a two-way street? All right. So, for Paul to say, wives, submit to your own husbands, that's not a shocker. 
wasn't really a shocker in that culture because that's kind of what you did. The next thing he says was the shocker. And this is what he says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up to her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless in the same way. Someone say, that's a high standard. In the same way, Husbands, love your wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. So listen, if it's not, Paul says, love your wives. Under the verse 21 umbrella, submit to one another. What does that look like for a husband Love your wife. Do you see the servant mentality? It's there too. If not more, because he's like, let's take like Emerald, let's take it up a notch, okay? (laughs) Guys, our responsibility as husbands, Paul lays it out, and it's a little bit scary. Is it not? That's a high standard. And so how to love your wife, there's three things that, um, that I see in this, passage number one sacrificially says as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her giving up yourself for your wife giving up what you want for what your wife wants choosing humility in your marriage men sacrificially Also, intentionally. Jesus has been intentional with us. Washing us. Presenting us radiant. How many know that takes work? Intentionally loving our wives. There's a word for that. Honor. Honoring our wives. Honor affirms value. You can say, I love you, I value you, but honor is what you do to show that. And so honor, honor affirms value. How are we honoring our wives? Jesus calls us to honor our wives. Loving, showing affection in the way that she receives it. If you, have, if you don't know what your wife's love language is, go to the lovelanguages.com or something like that. Take the test. Have her take the test. You take the test. Y'all figure it out because not everybody gets... Oh, over wash dishes. Some people like flowers, and some people really don't care about flowers. Some people like words of encouragement, and some people like physical touch. It's like we're all made different. Find out how your wife's made and love her that way. Same thing, ladies. Find out how your husband is loved and love him that way. And then the last thing is pastorally. It, uh, Paul says feed and care for her. One of the things that we've done, I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just telling you, I'm trying to put in practice what I'm reading in Scripture to our own life. But one of the things, one of the goals for this year in my life was to reinstate a weekly date night. I mean, you can get real busy and let that one slide. And I mean, we, not that you have to do it every week, but we need it every week. 
We need it every week. And so every Tuesday night, nothing, nothing takes priority over it. And you just got to draw a line in the sand, and you got to be intentional. You got to be sacrificial, and you got to feed your wife spiritually. Nurture your wife spiritually. Now, she can do it on her own, but God calls you to do it too, okay? So what does that look like? Sit down, honey. Let's go through the scriptures together. You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you can do that. I'm not knocking it. It's like, but no, you know what's the most powerful thing? What is God saying to you and just talking about it? What's God doing in your life? Tell your wife about what God's doing in your life. Ladies, talk to your husband what God, about what God's doing in your life, not what God needs to do in his life. <laughs> you know? Just talk it out. And listen to what your wife has to say because I guarantee you, you will learn something. My wife's one of those insightful people when it comes to Scripture. She can, she can read Leviticus and get something out of it. I don't like it, you know? Wow, that's amazing. Like, it, she just blows my mind all the time. There's a word for this. Can you guess what it is? Humility. Humility. Verse 32, Paul says, This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Paul's saying, look, this is so much deeper than happy wife, happy life. This is so much deeper than just having a strong marriage. This is so much deeper than just relationships. It is a picture of the gospel. Demonstrate the gospel through your home, through your marriage, by the way you love your husband, by the way you choose humility in your marriage, the way you love your wife, and the way you choose humility and serve that's what we're called to. It demonstrates the gospel to the world. The world, if, 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 if nothing else happened, what if revival just looked like what we've talked about this morning? What if it was like, okay, Jesus, and we do what he says in the home? It'd leak out. It wouldn't stay in the home. So I believe more, the more we walk in humility in our marriage and our families, the more glory there will be because revival starts and is sustained in the home. Yeah. Worship team, y'all come on up. And um, I want to, I mean, it's pretty applicable, right? I mean, that didn't need a, need a whole lot of application. But I want to just maybe zero in on what now. So even if some of this stuff that we've read this morning is a trigger and I get that. Some of these verses can be a trigger for some people because of past, because of present reality or whatever it is. But I will say this. Obedience and humility, you're never going to lose when you're, when you're obedient. You're never going to lose when you choose humility. And so what does application look like? I want you to think of these questions. I'm going to ask I'm going to ask a question, and I want you to think about it in your life. Is there an area 
in your relationships, whether it's marriage and if you're single in here, expand this question to the rest of your relationships. Is there an area in your relationships where you aren't currently choosing humility? Is there an area in your relationships that you're not choosing humility? And the application is, humble yourself. Just choose humility. Receive His grace to do it and take the step you need to take. And I, I wrote this down earlier because I, I feel like someone needs to hear this. Your connection is more important than your being right. Your connection with the person God's called you to, the people that God's called you to, your connection is more important than you being right. So what does that look like? Humility. That's the word for the day. <laughs> Submit yourselves to one another. What does that look like in the context of your life? What is Holy Spirit putting his light on right now in your life? I want you all to stand. And uh, we're gonna, I, I, want to, I want to encourage you to respond to what God says today. Not just to hear. You know, James said, don't be just a hearer, but be a doer of the word, right? We can hear and we can hear this today and we can say, well, that was a great word. Yeah, I agree with that. And we can walk out the door, but if we don't do it, the Bible says we've actually deceived ourselves. And so I want to, I want, I want to challenge you to take a bold step of obedience today. And for some of you, it literally means leaning over to your spouse and letting them know what your intentions are from this point forward. It's just sometimes you need to say it with your mouth. For some of you, it may be, and I've just, this is what I saw in my mind's eye when I was praying over you guys. As I just saw people coming to the altar together as a family. And so I want, if my family's in here right now, I want y'all to come down too, because I want us to pray together. They may not even be back there. But I want to chat. Sometimes it just takes a, hey, and, and here's what I want you to think about too. It's like your kids for the rest of their life can remember a moment when daddy took us down to the altar at church. Do you remember that kind of stuff when you were growing up? And, and daddy said this over, he spoke over us and prayed over us, a blessing over us. And I've remembered that for the rest of my life. And so maybe God's calling you to do that with your family today. And that just means come now, <laughs> just do it now. Just do it now. And my family's not in here apparently. There, they're coming, they're coming. I'm like, I'm, I'm not being a doer right now. So, hey, baby, I'm committed to making this work. Hey, baby, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? These are great, these are great phrases. <laughs> Will you forgive me? I'm committed to you. I'm here, I'm in it for the long haul. The Father's gonna honor, He's gonna honor this, what's going on right now. We hope you enjoyed this message. 
For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.